It's game day, Tampa Bay. You're listening to Lightning Power Play Live. Left circle, Stamkos. Holds, holds, shoots, scores! Stamkos! Again! The latest Lightning news, interviews, and more. Wow. With your host, Greg Linelli. That's great, folks. That's great right there. On Lightning Power Play. Be interested to see how the Tampa Bay Lightning respond tonight against another bottom dweller in the LA Kings. We saw it happen on Sunday. I think inevitably they were going to lose. It happened to be against the Devils. Weren't too, um, I don't want to say we weren't too shocked it happened, but I, I think you factor everything in, Louis Domingue playing as well as he did. You could kind of see that coming. But now that's behind you, and the Lightning have three games till the All-Star break. They want to win every one of them. Continue this great momentum they've built over the last 10 to continue and climb the standings. So tonight will be a good test for Tampa Bay, not necessarily because the Kings do anything magical. They don't. They have the second-worst record in the Western Conference, and they're a team who continues to be in that transition of going from a, a big, strong team who's a little slower to a fast team. And there's been a lot of talk about uh, certain players that could be traded from the Kings. Uh, we may get into that a little later on. Toffoli is a guy that uh, I've mentioned to you that has been uh, thrown around uh, as a guy who could be dealt. But these are two different organizations. It's it's interesting because the Kings, you can make a case, uh, they did their damage. You know, multiple Stanley Cups. If the Lightning could have what the Kings had uh, right now, I, th I think they would take it in a heartbeat. Now, there certainly are some lean years for the Kings because, you know, again, that transition from going from a big and heavy team to a fast and skilled team has been a hard one. But they won cups with it, and I think if you're a Lightning fan, in some ways you can admire what that franchise did. You know, it's fun sometimes asking those questions. If I were to tell you that, you know, maybe the Lightning can win two Stanley Cups in five years, but then the next three or four you're not making the playoffs and are near the bottom, would you take that trade off? And I, I think for a lot of people they probably would. Because the ultimate goal is to win championships. I know a lot of people want to be consistently good. And we've had these conversations before about the Lightning and not wanting to give away the farm when you're trying to win now. But, you know, I look at teams like Chicago and Pittsburgh that have done that, and they've they've come out on top. And I've always told you, don't get married to prospects because that's exactly who they are. They're prospects. There's no certainty that they're going to develop and, and be big-time contributors. I think the Lightning as an organization has done a really good job of uh, filling the gap, so to speak, when a player from the NHL roster moves on, they can plug guys in, and for the most part, it's been a seamless transition. But you don't want to get married to prospects. And if there's a deal to be made uh, that Julian Breezewa can make to help this team, and if that means parting ways with guys down in Syracuse or somewhere else, then you have to do it. Because as I said before, if I were to sit here and tell you that the Lightning in the next four or five years would win two Stanley Cups, but they would then get into the situation where they're a pretty mediocre team and they're not making the playoffs, would you take that trade-off? And I think you have to. At least I would. Because you want this core to win cups. You want them to be considered uh, maybe one of the best teams of all time. When you consider what this team has accomplished with this core in the regular season, you cap that off by winning some Stanley Cups. You know, now you're talking about, at least in the salary cap era, one of the better franchises we've seen. Um, in league history. And I'm, I'm interested to hear your thoughts 
because I, th I do think it's an interesting comparison. These two teams, where they are uh, in their franchise. You know, Tampa Bay is an ascending team who's looking to win multiple cups. The Kings have already done that, but now they're a team that's at the bottom. But if you had to do it, would you trade places with the Kings? And would you say, you know what, I'd want some cups. If that means down the road, we're not as competitive. At Greg Linelli on Twitter, if you want to get in touch with me, you can. We'll talk about that with Jay Retcher from 95.3 WDAE. Also light the lamp. He's coming up in our next segment. Brian Burns, beat reporter for the Tampa Bay Lightning, coming up at 6. We'll talk more about that with Burnsy. That might be a poll question we throw out there at some point here in the next couple of weeks because we're going to have some time and um, the Lightning, obviously, in the, in the league playing in the All-Star game. I know he talked about this on his show today about the All-Star game, and you have more and more players that have pulled out because they want to rest. And... He was pretty vocal about it on his show, and he brought up some good points. All I can add to that conversation, and this comes off the heels of Andre Vasilevsky being selected, congratulations to him. He deserves it. Uh, the numbers are really good, 22-9-2, 2.58 goals against, 9.15 save percentage. Those numbers obviously have come down in a good way over the last month or so. Um, what's scary, I think, for the rest of the league is that Vasi, I still think, has been very good but not great this year. But that's okay. If he doesn't have to be great all the time, I think that does bode well for the Lightning because that means they're winning games with the way they're playing in front of him. And if he does get hot and he does get to this next level where he's just stopping everything, then you factor in what Tampa Bay is also doing in front of him. You really can see this team not giving up a ton of goals, which, let's face it, over the last you know few games here, they've been pretty good defensively. At Greg Linelli on Twitter. But I, I may want to get into that a little bit more uh, this week. And uh, it's something certainly I think we can ask our guests uh, as well. But uh, Jay and, and Bernsey will be coming up in our next two segments. And, of course, you can react to uh, anything we had to talk about today. Uh, it does not look like Pat Maroon or uh, Ryan McDonough will be in the lineup tonight. Um, they're day-to-day. -day, so I, I think for John Cooper, there's really no rush to get those guys back. You're playing really well. And for these guys, when they're 100%, let them, let them come back. And, and maybe the, the wise play there is, you know, let them come back after the All-Star break when you get some time to uh, heal and get ready for that second half. Been taking a lot of tweets about the Lightning and the trade deadline. Um, again, the name Panarin came up. Uh, Bob mentioned, do you think the Bulls should have gone after Panarin last year at the deadline? i got to be honest with you, Bob, and, and I don't know how much he listened last year as I tweeted at you, I was saying that from the start. I wanted them to get Panarin. I did. And I was thinking about it on my way to the game today when you asked me that question. I don't know if I, th I think they need an elite player this year because I think the way they're playing defensively, I think they can win games 2-1, 1-0 in the playoffs. Last year, and I felt like their strength was scoring. And while Vassy, I think in some ways... I don't want to say overshadowed the deficiencies that Tampa Bay had defensively, but maybe that's the right word. I think masked. I think masked might be the best the best phrase there. And I'll talk about this, Jay, coming up. I didn't think getting somebody that was really good defensively was going to help this team too much in the playoffs because I think from a system standpoint, that that needed to be a, a buy-in mentality at the beginning of the year. 
I didn't necessarily see that from the team, and that's fine. Look, they won a lot of games playing that way, especially in the playoffs. Didn't happen, obviously, last year. But my thing was, if this team is built through offense, and that's how basically they're going to win games and hope Vasilevsky stands on his head. And look, they almost got to a couple of Stanley Cup finals playing that way with Ben Bishop and Vasilevsky. It almost worked. I think when last year happened, they kind of said we have to reevaluate things. But getting back to your point, my take was Panarin was the best player by far in the market. He's an elite talent. Scoring dries up in the playoffs at times. It doesn't hurt to have another guy who can change the complexion of a game. Plus, you have the Russian factor here in Tampa Bay. And I thought for a half a season, it made a lot of sense. And as I said before, don't get married to prospects because that's exactly what they are. They're prospects. And if you had to give up a couple of really good players down in Syracuse for Panarin, the goal is to win a, pl a playoff game, a series, and it's the goal is to win a Stanley Cup. And for the Lightning, I thought their best way to do that was great offense and goaltending last year. This year, I'm not so sure. I think it's a little bit different. Time will tell, of course. Uh, we may be talking about adding some depth pieces. I've given you a couple of names uh, on the show before. I'd like Miles Wood. Uh, you talk about a bottom six guy who's physical, who can fly. I don't think it's going to cost you much. Uh, those type of players, maybe a depth defenseman. Look, if they go out and make a splash, I'm fine with that too. Your goal is to win a championship with this core. You got to do it however you see fit. I'm just telling you, I think this year, at least at the forward position, I don't know if they have to go out and make a huge splash. If you want to talk about the back end and get another top four, I'm okay with that. Fine. That's great. And if you have to give up a couple of elite prospects to do it, what are you saving those guys for? They're helping you win a championship. So that was my response to you, Bob. It was a good question at Greg Lanelli. All right, Jay Retro from 95.3 WDA and Light and Lamps coming up next. I'm going to ask Jay that question. The two teams tonight obviously headed in different directions. But if you were the Tampa Bay Lightning today, if you were a fan, and I said you were going to be like the Kings five, eight years ago, if I could tell you in the next five years you're going to win two cups, but after that you're going to struggle, you may not even make the playoffs, would you take that trade off? That's where the Kings find themselves. I would. I want to get Jay's reaction when we return. It is Lightning Power Play Live right here on Lightning Power Play. You're listening to Lightning Power Play Live. Get a coup drop left circle. Cross ice Johnson right circle. Jump score! Oh, what a snipe! The latest news, interviews, and more with your host, Greg Lanelli. He would not be denied! On Lightning Power Play. All right, Lightning Power Play Live rolls along. We're live at Amelie Arena. It's always fun to uh, be broadcasting from the place the Lightning play their home games. And uh, Jay Retcher from 95.3 WDAE and Light the Lamp joins us now on the show. And always good to have Jay with us. And uh, I want to I ask you that question about the Kings yeah, yeah. and the Lightning, but I, I want to get your thoughts on Panarin. Mm -hmm. You follow the Rangers very closely. Um I thought it would have been a great move last year to bring him in, but you were in the minority of saying that. I was, you I were. was, and I was not against it because no, I'm with yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, I and think the, you, we the, think alike a little bit. The thing, not many Let's times, but for something like scary. that, only for big, big moments. Yeah, yeah. Um, but when I think about it, Greg, last year in the playoffs, John Tortorella said he's a top five player in the NHL. John Tortorella is not that guy to make big bold proclamations like that, and. For, to not be true. You know, he's one of those guys where you really have to earn his trust. And when he got traded from Columbus or from Chicago to Columbus, a lot of people said, how is this going to work? Yeah. I mean, they only one year of sample size, you know, a small sample size right. with him in Chicago. 
and he was fantastic. And I'll, I'll go on the record saying this. He's the best defensive winger in the game right now. Defensively. Defensively, right. Defensively, as good as he is offensively. That's a, that's a bold statement. He's just as good defensively. You should see him. It's usually centermen are the guys that are really down low, but yeah. you see him a lot down low in the corners helping out his defensemen. To me, yeah. that's why he he's big on puck control. So if you like all those Corsi stats, he's great. Yeah. So last year, and, and kind of what you said about, you know, would he, would he, would have he helped the team? Two ways. One, he wouldn't have been on Columbus. And two, I think the structure that he plays in, the way that he's so sound defensively, yeah. I think he could have helped them out. I think he would have helped them more out defensively than offensively. Interesting. Um, do you buy that you don't necessarily maybe need to make a huge splash, at least up front this year, because the way that Tampa Bay is playing defensively? Or, Jay, are you one of those people, elite talent is elite talent, if you can get somebody out there without doing too much damage to your your farm system or your organization as a whole, would you go out there and make a move? I don't know who that player would be, mm -hmm. but are you more of it's a depth piece this year because of the way they're playing defensively? Well, I mean, you look at it, nobody thought that Ryan McDonough would be available, and they went out and got him. And, yeah. and even though Brett Howden has turned into a very solid two-way pro, uh, Libra Hayek is just coming back with injury. He just got sent down to the AHL for kind of a conditioning stint. Yeah. But, I mean, that didn't really shake the core of the Lightning franchise, and you went out and got a top-four defense, and that is widely respected around the National Hockey League. So uh, those guys, there's only a few. <laughs> roster spots are so few and far between in the National Hockey League. If you can trade a guy to go get somebody that you think will make a difference, I don't care if he's a depth piece or a big piece like a Panarin, you got to make the move, man. This is You have to win now. you got to win with this team right now because you don't want to start looking at ages. We haven't looked at ages uh, unless we look at them and go, that's cool. They're under 30. Yeah. But in a couple years, if this team doesn't, like, let's say we get two or three years down the road and this team doesn't win, you start looking at how old Stamkos is and how old Kucherov is and how old. Kuch you know, is late 20s. And, Stammer's in his 30s. Yeah, Hedman's in his 30s. You look at Hedman, you start looking at that, and you go, I'm not worried about the Sergachevs and the and the, the Vasilevskis of the world. But I'm, you know, our guys are getting in their low to mid 30s. It's You don't want to do that. You want to win this year or next year. It's got to be done. So if you're gonna if you're gonna make a move and it's out there, and you got to trust the front office, the moves that they've made have all pretty much worked out in the last couple of years. So I'm I'm on board, man. Whatever they decide to do, I, I agree. So the other question I asked, you see, it's a franchise and the Kings enter tonight. Obviously, not uh, what they used to be, but what they used to be was a a team that won some cups, mm -hmm. multiple cups, played a different style. That that game maybe is is not. Completely relevant anymore, although St. Louis, Washington, bigger teams that have, have won Cups. If I were to tell you, Jay, in the next five, six years, the Lightning would win a couple of Cups, but also because of that... More than one? More than one. They, let's, say they may, they, let's say they win two. Okay. But after that, you know, they're going to have to do some rebuilding, kind of like what the Kings are doing right yeah. now. Would you take that trade-off? Yes. A hundred times yes. We live in Tampa Bay. Still to this day, people compare... Every single Bucks player or every Bucks team to the 2002 Bucks. Yeah. Every single Lightning player, Lightning team, you go, oh, well, Dave Andrew did this, or Vinny sure. LeCavalier did this, or Ruslan Fedotenko, or Marty St. Louis. We live in a very comparative society now, but especially here in Tampa Bay, because the winning and the success has come in singular. Nine, you know, the when the Rays went to the World Series in 2008, happened one time. The Lightning won the Stanley Cup one time. The Bucks, yeah. won, you know what I mean. So you look sure. at that. So you, it's it's for teams that won multiple. Like if you look at other teams that have won multiple championships in any sport, it's hard to look back and be like, do you remember the 
09 or whatever the Red Sox won or the 011 2011 like it's not the same but for here yeah. us we always think back to that so yeah that would be great for the Tampa Bay area if they won to and if they had to have some struggles after that would stink but I look at guys like Al Murray to be able to make those late because that's what happens is you're so successful you start picking later later and later in the draft yeah. and that's why these guys can't fortify the Patrick Keynes and Jonathan Taves and Andre Kopitar's of the world because they draft so late and they haven't been able to do it. And getting Al Murray from LA has been huge. So I think uh, Tampa Bay would be able to kind of stem that tide of really hitting that super downfall. And a lot of their talent is, is very young. I think the key to that Kings team too is in sports, we always try to look for like the, what works, you know, what, what kind of style everybody's so focused on. Is it a heavy style? Is it a, I don't know, man, because I think their first cup and their last cup were kind of different teams. But the things that stayed the same were you got an elite defenseman, you got a deep defensive core, you had the Muzzins of the world, Alec Martinez, guys like that. Robin Regeer was on that team. Yep. But strength down the middle and good goaltending as well. I mean, you think about it. You had Kopitar's, you had Jeff Carter's, you had uh, Jarrett Stoll and Mike Richards were huge on those Stanley Cup teams. And then Jonathan Quick, not looking the same now. He was elite he at was, that moment. Yeah, he was, I mean, you think about the top three goalies in the United States for, you know, American-born goalies. Yeah. In the last 10 years, for a while there, it was Ben Bishop, Corey Schneider, and Jonathan Quick. You know, Bish is back to his ways, but look at Schneider. Just got called up. Quick, you know, do you blame everybody around him? I don't think he's played particularly well the last couple of years, too. So you have to change with the time, and you have to find those young guys that are going to add to the core players. And that's what the Lightning have done. Every year, the last six years, they've added a guy that is added to their to their there, core, whether it's a Mitchell Stevens or a Sorelli or a Gord or Point or Sergachev or Chernak, like those guys have all added on to the Hedmans, Stamkoses, and Kucherovs of the world. Where who's the best young player on the Kings? Like you can't, you can't think of that. Like Chicago's got the Brinket, you know. Strom has been, you know, kind of coming up a little bit, but Panarin was that guy. I think Chicago killed themselves by trading away that guy to get a guy that was a power forward and Brandon, Brandon Saad. Saad. But you gave up a top five player, and that's one of the worst trades we've seen in hockey in the last probably 100 years. That's You're talking that's about harsh. A, that's harsh. But yeah, you I mean, think Saad, Saad's but you think a good player, though. I mean, he's not a, he's not Panarin, obviously. But Panarin's elite, you know what I mean? He to, is elite. But, I mean, it's not it's not like Panarin. It's not like Saad was a guy who was giving you five goals a year. No, but he wasn't playing as well in Columbus no doubt about that. That he was no when, before that. he left when he was in Chicago. They thought they were getting the old Brandon Saad. Yeah. They got an old Brandon Saad. Yeah. And to trade away an elite player like that, I mean, those guys are few and far between. Just imagine trading a guy like Kucherov for a, a, like Corey Perry or something like that. Yeah. Thinking, well, Corey Perry was good at one time, and yeah. then Kuch goes and scores 130 points. Like That's kind of the deal we're looking at. Would you be opposed, outside of the core players, of trading somebody off this roster? to acquire that elite talent? Ooh. No, I wouldn't. I, I, you can't be afraid to make a move, man. You really can't. you got to be willing to take a chance because no risk, no reward. I mean, Bruce Arians says it with the Bucks. Yeah. <laughs> no risk it, no biscuit. And I think back to the team, you know, the 94 Rangers I think about. They traded Tony Amante that year. They traded sure. you know, Mike Gardner a couple years before that. So, I mean, they got rid of some guys to bring in some more veterans like a Glenn Anderson and guys like that. Is that, that the last year Rangers won a cup? 1994, my Woo. friend, nine years old, ran outside my underwear. That's why I love <laughs> hockey so much. 
but that's the kind of thing. Like, do you want to see them trade guys like, you know, you think not Alex Glorin now. That was a guy that some people wanted gone. But I look at a guy like Tyler Johnson who doesn't, he's like kind of a man without a home where, you know, they love the duos on this team where you have Stammer, I mean, Kalorn and Sorelli and, you know, other guys throughout the, the league that play together. Point and Kucherov they have at times. Everybody switches around. But yeah. Tyler Johnson, I look at a guy as a guy that, you know, would they move him? Possibly. I mean, would I hate it? Yeah, because I love the guy. I think he's awesome. But they've earned the trust, the front office, where if they think they got to move a guy like Johnny to get somebody else or any other player that fits the bill, you got to trust them. And if they think that that's the move that's going to put them over the hump, then you got to make it. Jay Retro from 95.3 WDAE. And Light the Lamp joins us here on Lightning Power Play Live, getting set for Lightning and Kings. 10-game uh, win streaks, impressive no matter who you are, oh, yeah. what league, especially the parity in today's game. This 10-game win streak felt different than last year's. Do you feel like they've made strides in the way they've played? And do you feel confident that is something that can carry into the playoffs? Or is it one of those we just don't know until the lights are on? I mean, part of it is is the latter there. But I think the not just the additions of Shattenkirk and Maroon, but I was talking about this with Ian Beckles the other day. One of the things that nobody can do in sports, in any sport, is tell you how much better somebody has gotten from one year to the next. Because you can look at two guys and go, well, Panarin's better than Brandon Saad. Right. But can you really tell me how much how much better, quanti quantify it for me, how much better is Anthony Sorelli last year to this year? Sergachev, Kalorn. Sure. You, you can't, how do you put a number on that? How do you put a price on that? You don't. I think the experience of last year, I think the way that they've handled what went wrong last year, yeah. the way they've answered the questions, the way that they've kind of listened, I feel like they've opened their ears more and gotten better in that way. I, I'm with you. You win those 10 go games and the way they won them, yeah, they had some high-scoring affairs. But I look at games, what was it, the 4 nothing game. A lot of times they win that game 4 nothing, and they get outshot 27-19 yeah. to 19 or something. They were out shooting the Coyotes in that game. So to me, I look at that and I go, that's a different style of play. And people, I think that's part of the reason why Kalorin's playing so well. I mean, that coincides with, people say you want to get up north and south. I think the Lightning in past years have struggled when they've had to play a little bit more of an east-west game. It happens, though. I mean, when you can't fly up and down the ice because people are playing better defensively, you have to make short passes east-west. Nobody likes to say that because they're like, you got to get north-south, but that's not realistic. You're not going to be able to play run and gun. It's like the NFL playoffs outside of the the Chiefs, but yeah. you don't just go up there and throw Hail Marys on every play. You know, they may work against some of the bottom feeders in the league, but it's not going to work in the playoffs. So you got to be able to make those short passes. And I think when you look at Sorelli and Kalorn's game, that's why they've been so successful this year. And it's kind of coinciding with why the Lightning have kind of figured out the right way to play right now. And you're right, you still have to do it in the playoffs. But you, know, you think about it, we're about halfway mid, you know, through the season, and you got to be impressed with how they're playing. Who surprised you more with their play this year to that point? Sergachev or Shattenkirk? Surprised. Uh, I and I followed Shattenkirk's career for a long time. I mean, we grew up very close to each other. And I think it's him because of his skating ability. And that's what I was worried about because the injury with the Rangers, he tried so hard to get back. He wanted yeah. to play for his team you know, that he grew up watching. You know, he made that money. He's not that guy that's like, I got my money, I don't care anymore. And he just put so much pressure on him to come back. He just didn't look the same. And it was like, what version of Kevin Shattenkirk are we going to get? And 
I think he's been really good this year. And, and You think it's getting his back? Oh, yes. This back to where he... And I think he's better defensively than a lot of people give him credit for. He doesn't shy away from contact. He's not a big open ice kind of guy. But, yeah, he's. He, I think he's a darn good player. And he gets his puck on net. And we saw that a lot with Anton Strollman, where there's certain guys that just no matter... That's not, doesn't have to be a 100-mile-an-hour slap shot. Just find a way through. And he does that a lot. Any chance they would resign him? Well, let's put it this way. Would you? And how much would you be willing to give a guy like that? How much do you think he would take? To your point, money. Yeah, I think money's always a, yeah, I don't a, think so, an issue. Man. I mean, I he, is he so. going to want to go out and test the market after this year? I would. Look at what Anton Strawman got. I mean, what did he get? Four or five million? Oh, it was close I mean, to five. Five million yeah. for what? Two or three years? Come on, man. Shattenkirk's a better defenseman than Anton Strawman. Uh, we love Strawsy, but Shattenkirk's a much better defenseman. He gives you a lot more offensively. Defensively, you know, Anton's a lot more, I think, solid. But he's not a better skater than Shattenkirk is. So if he got that on the market last year, people are going to love my right-handed defenseman. They're like gold, and especially a guy with the pedigree of Shattenkirk. Just enjoy it for this year. But back to Sergachev. I love yeah. his defensive game. I think he said first day of practice this year, I want to be on the penalty kill. Not I want to improve my game. I want to score more goals. I want to. I want to be reliable and dependable. This kid is a smart kid. And he's man. physical, and we and we. Have, Think about it. In 10 years from now, he still won't even be how old I am. 31? 31, 32 years old. That's crazy to think that. He might be here. Who will be the last? We had this conversation last week. Who will be the last man standing on this team right now today? Who will be the last Lightning player? You could say that it will be Mikhail Sergachev, right? Could. You could argue that. points, Vassy. But as far as the age goes and the the position, like eventually McDonough's going to retire. Eventually, Hedy's going to move on and retire. Sergeyev will be 31, probably 32 when that happens. Well, you they know, still have good hockey. Life. They still have a good core beyond this good core. Yeah. Points: Sorelli, Sergeyev, mm-hmm. Vasi, Chernak, you know, Chernak, mm-hmm. and then whatever you have. Yeah. Coming up in the system. Yeah, the foots of the world. Is yeah. there anybody down in the minor leagues that you would not include in a trade? Everybody's available for me. Everybody's fair game. Everybody's fair game. So I know the foots and the Barbelay and guys like that, but. No. Do people get too attached to prospects? Yeah, because it's that what I'm if. Surpri- I'm, but I'm we surprised with a what good ifs. team. Yeah, but know? we love what ifs in this world. You know, it's always, it's, you know, why do people cheat in their relationships? Because they think the grass is greener on the other side. It's just, that's the way it is. We always, we're always clamoring for more. And, but that's what Pat Riley talked about in his book, is the disease of more. You get some success and you want more. You want more. You, you're not, you, you feel like you're not getting enough. And I, if those guys are available, you know, and you got to, or excuse me, if you have to trade two or three of those guys to get an impact player on this team that has Stanley Cup aspirations, you, you do have it. to do it. You, you have do it. Light the lamp. Light the lamp. We'll listen to that uh, over the weekend. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, get it rolling, baby. Wonderful. And we'll uh, we'll talk to you down the road, buddy. The like pleasure. your shoes. Thanks, man. Phil Esposito made like three comments about him the other day. Yeah, so Probably ugly, but that's, yeah. that's just my thoughts well, on it. Well, then you're talking about his vision. All right. oh, that will be the first time. Greg, pleasure was all, all right. yours. Jay Retcher there. We'll talk to Brian Burns, beat reporter for the Tampa Bay Lightning, up next on Lightning Power Play. You're listening to Lightning Power Play Live. Shot taken, Morgan! What a save by Vasilevsky! No rebound! The latest news, interviews, and more. No. With your host, Greg Lanelli. Really? On Lightning Power Play. All good things come to an end, and we saw that on Sunday as the Lightning fell to the Devils. But before that, a 10-game win streak got this team firmly in a playoff position, and I think we all feel a lot comfortable saying that now with this team 
being the Tampa Bay Lightning in that playoff spot. Playing very well, defensively getting things done, scoring goals, although it's dried up a bit the last couple of games. And, of course, goaltending has been very, very good. Andre Vasilevsky, congratulations to him. He is going to his third All-Star game, also the Player of the Week. That was announced a couple of days ago. So a big uh, week for Vasi. I think a really good uh, couple of uh, weeks for the team. And now they get set to take on the LA Kings, who, let's face it, uh, kind of like the Devils at the bottom of the standings. It's time for Tampa Bay to rebound, get two points tonight, continue to build that momentum, and climb the Atlantic Division standings. It is Lightning Power Play Live on News Radio WFLA and Lightning Power Play. I am your host, Greg Linnelli. Glad you're with us. Joining us right now, he is the beat reporter for the Tampa Bay Lightning. That would be Brian Burns. Burnsy, great to be with you, buddy. And before we get into the game tonight, um, I don't know if many people expected the Lightning to lose on Sunday. I think when you win 10 games in a row, it doesn't matter who that next opponent is, it's going to be a little bit of a challenge because at that point, I don't want to say fatigue is setting in, but um, your luck is starting to run out because we know the parity in this league is great and anybody can beat anyone. But I'm not sure we expected the Devils to knock off Tampa Bay. They played a pretty good game. Louis Domingue was really good in that game, and all good things have to come to an end at some point. But the Lightning have put themselves in a position now where we are talking about them as being one of the best teams in the league again, which is a good thing. Yeah, it was uh, It's pretty crazy. I actually looked up to see where the Lightning were in the standings on December 22nd before they started that 10-game win streak. Where were they? You look at their points. They were tied for 21st in the NHL wow. points-wise. I think they were tied with, like, Columbus, the New York Rangers. Now you look at them, they're tied for fifth in the league. It's pretty incredible. They've jumped up that far. They're now one of, you know, the elite teams yeah. in the NHL where before they went on this 10-game run, we're talking about uh, is this going to be a playoff team or are they, you know, are they going to have to make some drastic moves to get into sure. the postseason? And it's just kind of amazing how everything has flipped in, you know, the span of maybe three weeks. And what was great about this win streak, and I think really their play since the Global Series, is that, there is a commitment, a legitimate commitment to getting back on defense and playing better defensively in front of both goaltenders. And I think during that 10-game win streak, it all came together and everybody was, I think, feeding off each other. Yeah, you, we, we talk to the guys a lot about uh, the defensive commitment and, and a lot of them talk about the block shots. That's kind of a big thing with them. Is, yeah. uh, especially, I forget what game it was, but Mikhail Sergachev had a couple just really big block shots. Looked like he got stung both times on them. So you certainly worried that maybe he might be injured. Uh, came off a little bit gingerly, but was able to get right back out there and do it again. And that's really uh, just kind of trickled down throughout the entire team. Everybody wants to be that guy, that next guy to go out there and get a big block shot and really spark momentum. And uh, that seems to be infectious throughout the whole team. I think that's what's been really cool to see about this is everybody is buying into that uh, we're going to sell out to win this game type of mentality that you've seen during the uh, during the 10-game run. And I, we don't know what's going to happen, assuming they get to the playoffs, if that style will continue. But you do feel better that they are following a system, a structure, and that it should come playoff time be second nature for them. Yeah, and that was probably, to me, uh, during that 10-game win streak, was probably the most impressive thing, was just how structured they were defensively, yeah. uh, how committed they were uh, to funneling shots to the outside, not letting teams get inside of them, breaking the puck out of their own end quickly, not spending too much time in their own end, and uh, limiting teams to just one chance, no rebound opportunities. They've had a, a stretch of games here where they're, you know, holding teams to 25 shots or less. It's just been a really good commitment all through 
uh, the entire team, all 18 players out on the ice, to, to being good defensively. And they are dealing with some injuries, but they've been able to overcome the injuries with that depth that we have seen before. Guys have been able to slide in, whether it's a Mitchell Stevens, Carter yeah. Verhage, picking up. That's also been good to see because it sounds like the guys that are out, it's not going to be long term. Yeah, even the uh, the Jan Rude is coming in and just being a really steady yes. defenseman. Braden Coburn coming back from his injury and being another steady guy that they can put back there. You, uh, you know, the Lightning have been fairly lucky, I think you could say, uh, injury-wise this season. They haven't had... Uh, the long-term sustained injury to a key member of the team. I think Braden Coburn's injury was probably the longest one on the team so far this year. And uh, certainly looks like they dodged a bullet with Andre Pilat. You know, that could have been a lot worse than it was. To only miss one game, I think, is you know almost miraculous. Uh, Pat Maroon, he's been getting banged up here the last few games. I think he probably could use this this yeah. bye week more than anybody right now. I'd, I you know, wouldn't be surprised if we don't see him for these three games and just let him shut it down and then go into the bye week, have those nine days off, and then hopefully come back ready to go coming out of that break. Uh, and it looks like Ryan McDonough, maybe not back tonight, but at least one of these three games before the break, he'll get in on one of those, it well, looks like. And, and to your point, I think what's nice about this win streak, it's catapulted them into a pretty firm position in the playoffs, at least right now. And if you don't have to rush guys back, particularly with the All-Star break coming up, you don't have to. Why yeah. would you? Yeah, you're not in that position now where every two points, every game is critical like it was before For that 10-game sure. win streak. Now they have you know, a little bit of a cushion uh, in second place. They're four points up on Toronto. They still have uh, one game in hand yep. on the Maple Leafs. Got a couple games in hand on Boston. You know, that, that games in hand gap is starting to shrink. Now there's actually teams in the league that, that have less games than them if you look at the Islanders and uh, Nashville right now. But... Yeah, they're, they're pretty firmly entrenched in that second place, and I think they have eyes on, you know, potentially first place with Boston uh, and then, you know, maybe coming back down to earth a little bit. They're eight points above, but the Lightning still have those two games in hand on the Bruins, and, you know, that's that's yeah. an attainable goal for them right yeah, now. Yeah, it is. Brian Burns, beat reporter for the Tampa Bay Lightning, joining us here on Lightning Power Play Live and News Radio WFLA. So I asked this question uh, to start the show. It is interesting seeing these two teams play tonight's the Kings and the Lightning. The Kings, while a, a team that is struggling mightily, they have won some cups over the last 10 years. The Lightning's still trying to achieve that goal. And I, I just, for fun, if you were a Lightning fan and I, I asked you the question, in the next five, six years, if you could win a couple of cups, but because of that, your team starts to not make the playoffs consistently because you sell out to win, would you take that trade off? What's the uh, what's the corollary? What you make the playoffs every year, but you don't quite get over the hump. So the next five years, whatever it is, you win a couple of cups. But after that, maybe for the next three, four, five years, you're you're not a playoff team. Yeah, but I'm saying like, what's the opposite? What's the uh, you're saying? So the next five so the, years, yeah, the you make is, the you make the playoffs yeah. every year, but you don't you know you don't quite get over that. The opposite hump is kind of doing what they've been doing. Yeah, getting really close and. I mean, I think you take the cups. You'd have to, right? Absolutely. I mean, well, there is why I bring that because a lot of people, you know, they get stuck on don't do anything here at the trade deadline because you got prospects, and it's almost like I get it. You want to keep your team competitive for a long time, but the goal is to win a cup. And I, I just I think when you look at a team like the Kings, who have been in that situation before, and now they're struggling to win games, I think Kings fans can at least look back and say, all right, it stinks. Yeah. But we've won. Yeah. Chicago kind of in that same boat as bit. well. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. 
Yeah, I, I, I see what you're saying there. I, you know, I, I struggle with the with that thought at the trade deadline too because it's like, okay, you can bring someone in, but is that really going to be the move that gets you over the hump? Is it going to do anything? Nothing's guaranteed. You're right. I mean, I, I was uh, taking some questions from some people today on Twitter, and they were like, Greg, what did you think about Panarin last year? And, you know, my take on that was I would have right. brought him in. Yeah. But I, I think I would have brought him in because I think the team last year was just so built on offense that Vassy really was their guy if anything happened, was going to clean up the mess. Yeah. For the most part, he did. Now, in the playoffs, it didn't work. This year, I don't know if you need to go out and get that elite forward because I think what they're doing defensively is a lot different than what they did last year. Yeah. doesn't mean they can't go out and make a splash. If they do, hey, I'm fine with that. But it, it's, I think, it's two different teams is what we're seeing here with this Lightning team. And I think this team right now, I think if they could use some depth pieces, go for it. But I don't know if they need to make a huge splash, at least up front. Yeah. I, I think maybe a top nine forward, you know, maybe like a, a third line kind of guy uh, yeah. might be in order. Yeah. I think that's probably the biggest need right now. I don't think would you, you still need attack, much on the back end. I was going to say, would you still attack the back end? Are, you, are we comfortable as we sit here today? What is it, January 14th? January 14th, yeah. That, that Jan Ruta is a top six. Is he a top six, though? Once Ryan McDonough comes back, is uh, is it Ruda? Is it Coburn? Now that you have Coburn healthy, you know, he's kind of thrown his name into that When mix. they were healthy, Ruta was in there, right? I think Coburn was in the start. But I felt like he was healthy. He was a healthy scratch more times than not. Yeah. Now, if you were to ask me this question last year, I thought Coburn was very good last year. Yeah. But when it came time for the playoffs, he was starting. Yeah, it was, it was Ruta. Ruta, yeah. So you wonder if there's something there. And then I think there were some questions about, you know, what, are you, what were you getting in Kevin Shattenkirk? I think Shattenkirk... Is that the biggest surprise this year? How I think well he's, he's one of played? Them. I think, you know, maybe him, maybe Alex Kalorn and his, yeah. not necessarily the way he's playing, but, but his goal-scoring prowess this year. Uh, Sergachev, the step that he's taken. I think we all expected him to take that step at some point. I'm not sure if we thought it would be. Right now. Yeah, at so soon. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Shattenkirk has really helped to, to solidify things back there. And I remember at the – July 1st, everybody was kind of wondering and questioning some of these moves that Julian Breezewa made yeah. with, with, like, you know, Luke Shen, Curtis McElhaney, you know, not anybody that's really moving the needle. Right. Uh, people were maybe a little uh, stressed about the lack of, of any kind of, like, major move, especially coming right. off what happened in the playoffs. But then you have, you know, you get Pat Maroon. He kind of, you know, they worked that deal, and that was a little bit after. It was maybe a month later. And then just you know, Kevin Shattenkirk just kind of falls into your lap. And well, I remember when he was bought out, I'm thinking, that might be a good guy to go pick up. I mean, is he, are you going to be able to work him in under the, the salary cap? And then you see what the number was, and it's almost like a no-brainer. You have to get him. It's almost the best contract right now in, in the NHL. Yeah. I, look, I, I, don't, I haven't seen everybody's contract, but for the production you're getting at the position he's playing, Give me better value. Yeah, especially, I mean, other than an entry-level contract, other than maybe like a Sorelli sure. or a Sergachev, right. a guy that's still, you know, working on like $800,000 yeah. a year. Yeah, absolutely. It's certainly the best contract on the Lightning right now. And who would have thought that he and Sergachev paired together would be a really good pairing? Now, yeah. I know they've, they've switched things up at times, but for the most part, it's been those two. And they're two guys that in some ways are similar. But I'm wondering if Sergachev's physical play has allowed that tandem to be even more effective defensively because we know we can they can do with the puck. Yeah. They're very good with it. Yeah, and I, I like that, that they've been able to stick together and you're able to keep the McDonough and Chernak pairing together. I think it really – and then Ruda, he seems to have really good chemistry with Hedman. 
so I think they really like where their, their partnerships are right now on the back end. Yeah, for sure. Brian Burns joining us here on Lightning Power Play Live and News Radio WFLA. Vassy's numbers have been very good here, obviously during the win streak. Gets his nod to go to the All-Star game. But you still get the sense that while he's playing very good, he hasn't had to be as elite this year as he was last year. But I think that's a good thing, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it just speaks to the defensive structure that yeah. the team's playing with. And uh, he talked about it a little bit after the, the last shutout that was here, uh, not seeing as many shots. And sometimes those games can be a little bit more difficult for him just because he's a guy that likes to get in that 30 to 35 range of shots. Yeah. You know, not so many that you're under fire the entire game, but uh, enough that you feel engaged. And uh, uh, I think the question was asked to John Cooper at his postgame press conference about, you know, how are they able to keep Vasilevsky engaged in some of these games? There's only 20, 21 shots. And they, they talked about him and Franz John. They, they've talked about you know, over the last month or so, you know, with the Lightning wanting to play this style, wanting to eliminate shots, that he's right. going to have to stay engaged in these games. And they've, they've worked with him on trying to do uh, just different things to, to stay focused, to stay sharp. And I think you're really seeing the benefits of that right now because even when he's only facing, you know, a shot maybe every five or six minutes, he's still fully engaged and it really looks like, uh, he's tracking the puck now uh, as well as he has during his entire career, and he just seems to be so locked in. Uh, it's really fun to watch him playing right now. Probably doesn't get enough credit. I think maybe this was the first year he took a lot of criticism. John Cooper and this coaching staff, I think you have to give them a lot of credit for what they've done with this team, not only the way they're playing and stealing this early in training camp, but switching of the lines. And it's it's allowed guys who maybe have struggled a bit to get back on track and it does seem like every move he's making has worked out very well. Now, Yanni Gord's the one guy I think we want to see get going. Did play very well in the Global Series. Mm -hmm. when he was on the fourth line, and that offense kind of dried up a bit. But now we see Kalorn with the fourth line. You want to see Yanni get going. But what do you make of John Cooper and his ability to retool the lines but also keep this team hungry and play a certain way, which has been beneficial? Yeah, I, I think it's a product of, you know, we've seen the line switch up. We've seen guys partnered with different uh, line combinations. And I just think it kind of speaks to how well these guys play with one another, not necessarily with one specific person, but uh, they've had this ability where they can play with pretty much anybody on the roster. And yeah. they still feel that there's that chemistry. Uh, and I think as far as the switching of the lines, like you've seen it with Tyler Johnson now, he's kind of come up into a, a top six role. Uh, where he was kind of buried on the fourth line. It was kind of that odd man out there when they had, right. like, three really solid lines working, and he was just kind of stuck on the line with, the, you know, Verhaggies and Stevens and uh, guys that were still looking for their offensive game. And now he's been put into a top-six role, and he scored four goals in his last eight games. And I think it really speaks to uh, just how every night there's someone different on this team that's ready to step up and make an impact and be the guy that's going to be the leader and be the guy that's going to carry him over the finish line that night. Yeah, we'll see who that guy is uh, tonight against the Kings coming up here in a little under an hour. All right, Burnsy, great job as always, buddy. We'll talk to you pretty soon. All right, thanks a lot. Read him on the Lightning's website. That is Brian Burns. He's the beat reporter for the Tampa Bay Lightning. I am Greg Linnelli. Back after this to wrap up Lightning Power Play Live, and then we'll get you set for the pregame as we get you set for Lightning and Kings. It is Lightning Power Play Live on News Radio WFLA and Lightning Power Play. You're listening to Lightning Power Play Live. The latest news, interviews, and more. Finally! With your host, Greg Lanelli. Oh, the relief on his face! On Lightning Power Play.
All right, thanks to Brian Burns, who joined us in that previous segment. Also to Jay Retcher, who joined us earlier in the show. We're getting you set for Lighting and Kings. Coming up in about uh, less than an hour, Dave Michigan and Phil Esposito with the call. You know, it is interesting. There are a lot of people that are comparing this 10-game win streak this year to last year, and I think those are very valid for a lot of different reasons. But I think the best thing that sticks out for me is the way they're playing defensively. And does that kind of delve into the next topic that a lot of people have is, will that impact what Tampa Bay does at the trade deadline? Nobody knows who they're going to identify, who they're going to go after, what type of player they're going to go after. But as I said to you, because I took a tweet from a, a listener, I felt like last year the reason why I had said Artemi Panarin, to me, would have been a guy I would have gone after because I felt like the Lightning last year, it was mainly offense and hope Vasilevsky stands on his head. Didn't mean they didn't have good games defensively, but their bread and butter was scoring goals. John Cooper has admitted that. You know, instead of maybe protecting a 3-0 lead, they wanted to make it 6-2. And oftentimes they did. And the thinking was, you bring in a guy like Panarin, offense sometimes dries up in the playoffs. Having an extra guy who's as elite as he is made a lot of sense to me. They may go after somebody like a Panarin at the trade deadline. Don't know. But I think when you take a look at what Tampa Bay needs this year compared to last year, it's drastically different. And it's different because of the system they are playing this year. And that's why I give a lot of credit to the coaching staff and the leadership for buying into what they're trying to do because I think it gives them a better chance in a seven-game series to win a game even when their offense does dry up because you're not allowing Vasilevsky to stand on his head. I think what last year taught us is that while Vasi can be great for the majority of the season, all it takes is for him to be off his game just a tad, and the Tampa Bay Lightning weren't the same team. Now, a lot of different circumstances as to why that team lost to Columbus, but the goaltending was one of them. And I think it wasn't fair to expect Vasilevsky to play that well every single night, facing high dangerous shots game in and game out, for the rest of his career and not expect some sort of drop-off. So to protect yourself in some ways, John Cooper and his staff looked at it and said, what can we do to make life easier for us on the back end and really for our goaltenders? And I think they bought in to what they wanted to do, meaning the players. It took them a while, I think, to get accustomed to how they wanted to play. But that 10-game win streak came by honestly. And their ability to come back on the forecheck, be a little less risky with the puck, not be in the penalty box as much, or you know, still I think that's a work in progress, but for the most part, you understand where I'm coming from. It's been a different team. And it's been a different team because they understand to win in this league and to win when it matters the most, they're going to have to be better defensively. So why not start now? And I think you're starting to see that with the Tampa Bay Lightning over the last month or so. So at Greg Linnelli, if you want to hit me up on Twitter to talk about that a bit more. And as I said before, too, you know, the team they play tonight uh, is a nice reminder that, you know, going after a couple of cups and in some ways sacrificing the future for now is okay in sports to do. You know, if you talk to a Kings fan, you know, it, it's probably tough being a Kings fan here the last couple of years. But the Kings fan have a couple of Stanley Cup trophies they can look back on and say, you know what, it's okay. I can kind of deal with what they're doing now. It stinks. They're making a transition. They're trying to develop players. They have some veterans they probably need to dump. 
And maybe another team can take advantage of those dumps. But, you know, for the Kings, they, they made their mark. It's been a pain in the butt for them right now to be competitive, but at least they can look back and say we won a couple of times when it mattered the most. And I think the Lightning, their mindset is, let's do everything we can to win while we have this core in place. And so I think that is the mission, and you factor that in with how well they're playing and what they're doing to win games this year. Um, you have to feel confident about what they're doing. We have no idea what's going to happen towards the end of the year, hopefully into the playoffs, but so far, so good. We can only judge on what we see, and what I see is a different team than last year, and I don't think that's a bad thing. So at Greg Linnelli on Twitter, get in touch with me throughout. Uh, as I said, coming up the pregame in about five minutes or so, we'll have a bunch of sound for you. We'll hear from Mikhail Sergachev, one of the players that I think has made the biggest strides this year, in addition to a guy like Kulorn or even Shattenkirk, who is having a real rebound year this year with the Tampa Bay Lightning. We'll talk to Dave Michigan and Phil Esposito. Also, Eric Rollinson, he'll stop by. And then we'll hear from some players from the morning skate today, Steven Stamkos, Tyler Johnson, also to John Cooper. They'll all stop by and we'll listen to their analysis about how they get back on another win streak, especially before the All-Star break coming up here next week. By the way, Vasilevsky, if you're just joining us, and you know this by now, but he is going to the All-Star game, replaces Tuka Rask. I know Eric Rollinson had a big rant on this during his show. I don't know what you do about the All-Star game, folks. Uh, I think the one-game suspension is not hard enough to not have these guys go to the game. And so either you drop the All-Star game, you either hurt these guys where it matters the most, which would be the pocketbook, or you make the suspensions a lot longer because a one-game trade-off, particularly for a goaltender coming out of the break, isn't a big deal. So we'll talk more about that probably this week. All right, we got the pregame up next. It's the Lightning and the Kings. Glad you're with us right here on News Radio WFLA and Lightning Power Play. <laughs> 